0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference.
0: Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Bullying in Australian schools is a major problem. Each year, an estimated 45 million bullying incidents occur across the country, leaving otherwise happy kids feeling depressed and alone. Kindling Conversation producer Elise Cooper was one of those children, and she wanted to know what drives kids to bully. To find out, she spoke to experts, children, and to one of the girls who bullied her during school. Have you ever seen someone
2: maybe be picked on in the playground, maybe some people making fun of someone at all?
0: Mm, Sometimes.
2: And how does that make you feel when you see someone be picked on?
0: A bit frustrated. I think it's people teasing other people. If
1: someone like says I like your lunchbox, and then like they laugh, that's mean they don't really like it.
2: Oh, I hope that hasn't happened to you.
1: It has happened.
2: Really? And what did you do when it happened? I just said it's just a lunchbox. Why do you have to matter? Around a million school kids are bullied across Australia every year, twice as many victims as there are perpetrators. And yet these unpleasant statistics are sadly unsurprising. Bullying in schools is nothing new. I should know. My name is Elise and when I was 11, my bullying got so bad that I had to change schools. I've often wondered why I was bullied, why they chose to pick on me. So not all that long ago, I decided I was going to find out. In a flash of bravado, or madness, maybe a bit of both, really, I opened Facebook and I began to type a direct message to the person responsible for bullying me in primary school. Her name was Blair. Well, that's not her real name. I've changed it. A few days of nervous drafting of messages, I fact-checked phone calls to my parents, Uh, I had colleagues read the messages for tone, and then I hit send. I asked her if we could catch up for a chat about what happened at school. The reply I received the next day wasn't quite what I'd anticipated. Hi Elise, sorry it's taken me some time to reply. I've been racking my brain thinking back to primary school and trying to figure out what exactly I could bring to the table. Do you mind if I ask what kind of info you'd been hoping to gain from the interview? To be honest, I hardly remember a single thing from primary school, so I don't know whether I would be much help. I reminded Blair she used to bully me. I appreciate you wanting to speak with me, especially if I did at all contribute to the bullying you experienced in primary school. As I mentioned, I don't remember much from school and I certainly don't recall being a bully. So I hope you can understand this has rattled me quite a bit. I don't want to discredit what you're saying, because if that's how you felt, then that's how you felt. I would just prefer not to be involved in an interview. All the best with the piece and everything else. What? But I changed schools. I told myself she was lying. She had to be. Otherwise, it was such a weird response that it made me feel sick in my stomach. Was it possible that the events that shaped so much of my young life were entirely forgettable to the person responsible? Had I harboured all these awful feelings and resentments for nothing? I had to find out.
0: You do sometimes find children who don't necessarily think at the time that what they're doing is bullying.
2: That's Professor Caroline Hunt. She's the head of the clinical psychology unit at the University of Sydney. She's also spent many years researching bullying in primary school-aged children all the way up to adulthood.
0: At one level, she may not have at the time really thought a lot about the effect that she was having on you because it was being washed out by the fact that she was getting so much support from other people in the class.
2: When I was bullied by Blair, it wasn't just her on her own. There'd always be a group of laughing, jeering kids that sort of egged her on when she bullied me. I was called a boy for having my hair cut short. I was pushed over. Those memories are burnt into my brain. I wanted to know if she could really have forgotten all of that.
0: On the other hand, this sounds like it went on for a long time and so that might be a little bit difficult to to wash. Um, I mean, there's always the possibility that it's too painful for her to think about herself in that role now and so it could be sort of a level of denial, whether it's a conscious denial or whether she's just going, oh, I just don't want to go there because I either remember what I did and I feel I don't, I don't want to admit to it or... At some level, she's not allowing herself to admit to it. So there could be a number of different things going on there. But, but it's certainly not unusual for younger children to sort of not really have taken into account the fact that they're really hurting somebody else.
2: In the days leading up to my contact with Blair, I was sort of buoyed on by this hope that I would get some kind of closure by the end of all this. Maybe we could start a discussion, we'd finish in a musical number and we'd embrace and there would be birds singing in the trees in harmony. So when she got back to me and said she didn't remember, I was kind of already emotionally in the thick of this. And I needed to know more. So if Blair didn't want to talk to me, I had to find someone who would. I'm Mary, and
1: I went to school went to primary school in a small country town.
2: Mary was Blair's best friend. I remember
1: like to be honest, I remember that you were definitely one of the main targets of being bullied in primary school, um, especially amongst the girls because you didn't you weren't you weren't the norm, and that's like not bad thing you know we were all a bunch of like air-headed little girls that just listened to the Spice Girls and <laughs> thought we were pop stars and um, I remember when you did leave there was this big um, it was
2: it was quite scandalous Mary's referring to when I changed schools in year six after years of crying to my parents and my parents feeling frustrated that they weren't being heard by my school they decided to finally enroll me in another school across town that decision to remove me from the original school didn't come lightly. But it did feel like the only option at the time. Jeremy Blackman from the Alana and Madeline Foundation works with parents, children and schools to protect kids from violence in the home and at school. When I asked him how my particular situation was handled, he says that changing schools is often just as fraught as staying put.
3: And we don't generally don't recommend students leave, change schools as a result on the a... Last measure, because it puts them again into a situation that's a foreign environment. They have to adjust socially again. Um, bullies often pick on uh, the, the differences in others. So, as a new student arriving in the mi- in the middle of a year, for example, or after they've all, they've all socially bonded, you're naturally excluded. For someone to fit in quickly into that environment requires very very high levels of um, you know social emotional intelligence and Uh, confidence, which obviously someone who's just been through a traumatic bullying experience (laughs) won't have.
2: In my case, before changing schools, the bullying was extreme for six years. At Blair's instigation, I was excluded from birthday parties. I had my clothes mocked on mufty days. I had my bike kicked over and I was pretty much routinely picked last for team sports and constantly called names. These are all difficult things for me to revisit but it also feels like there may have been difficult for Blair to revisit. I want to know why she bullied me. And if I can't know why she did it,
0: then why do bullies do it? Caroline again. Look, I think it's multifactorial and it's a little bit more complicated because I think there are different types of bullies as well. Um, and there's actually been a debate in the literature as well about uh, bullies just little sort of callous, sort of, for want of a better word, psychopaths, or are they kids who are really sort of emotionally troubled themselves and don't have very good social skills? And that's just their response to others in the playground because they're feeling threatened themselves or maybe have even been bullied themselves. Um, and there's certainly um, evidence that there's, there are those two sorts of groups.
2: If that's why bullies do it, I asked Mary... Why she did it?
1: I absolutely um, remember partaking in that, but only because you're when you're a young, impressionable girl growing up, and you see all the other girls doing it, you just do it. Um, You just, and also I think sometimes it's a way of kids maybe releasing something that's dysfunctional at home perhaps there's maybe like a dysfunctional relationship somewhere in their life and they feel like to feel powerful perhaps when when you approached me about this I was like oh my goodness like and I remember I remember and I'm sorry but I remember calling you Elise pooper
2: scooper like that was that was the thing that that used to frustrate me so much because I was like pooper scoopers are really useful like that's not an insult. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And it was like, and I I only, I remember I I would only say that just because everybody else was. And if I didn't participate, it would have been me that they would target. Because we don't really perceive that at at that age. You know, we don't really understand why we're we're doing something. But subconsciously, I think we become a part of what's happening. Because I felt it was kind of like a a self-defense mechanism. Because... It's like if you can't beat them, join them. You know, if it wasn't going to be you, it was going to be me or somebody else. So it's essentially like exactly like that movie Mean Girls. <laughs> you, you just have to be a part of it. Otherwise, it
2: gets turned on to you. In the country New South Wales town where Mary and I grew up, there was a peculiar kind of social hierarchy The popular kids at school were the kids of the popular parents. They weren't popular for any spectacular reason that I could pin down. They just kind of were. They were the pretty people who have really cute children. They weren't celebrities. They weren't the finest in their fields. They were teachers. They were hairdressers, brickies, tradies, garbage men. They were normal people. But they were normal people whose children were nasty to other children. Jeremy again
3: on this topic a lot of blaming happening either Mm. you know teachers will blame parents parents will blame teachers or the the principal or um but really i can't stress enough how much of a shared responsibility it is um i think one of the other dangers is to put too much onus on the young people so while we really advocate for positive bystander behavior and and you know standing up for your mates and, and all that kind of talk to put the onus on young people before the adults have the responsibility of setting up the positive environment is, is not good.
2: That positive culture of support that Jeremy's talking about did not exist at my school. When I told my parents about how I was treated, my parents' attempts at resolution were routinely ignored and brushed aside by the teachers and the school principal. After speaking to Mary, I found out it wasn't just me who was experiencing this
1: i don't think that the um, teachers at that school uh, really knew how to handle the bullying in that year because in that particular year um, a lot of the parents were actually quite good friends with the teachers. There was this like underworld of like this friendship between the these certain teachers and certain parents of the of the kids and they kind of held this status in. The community as well, like this popularity status, it was essentially like what was mirrored in our year was mirrored in their social group. Like the parents of the popular kids were like the popular parents and I guess that the teachers didn't really want to do anything conflicting that would, that would have any repercussions on their, their own lives, I suppose. And yeah, I don't think they did that much to help. They didn't intervene at all, really, or make any anything better.
2: I place my trust in the adults in my life to help me. My parents tried very hard, but my school had failed me. It didn't have those positive cultures or living, breathing policies set up to protect children who need it. The taunts and the bullying, they've had lasting effects into my adulthood. Piecing together this interview has taken me months. At the beginning, you heard me talking to primary school students. But when I went to go and record those kids, I had to stand outside for a good 20 minutes and do a mindfulness breathing exercise because I was having a panic attack. Just the sound of the playground sent me back to awful memories from my childhood. Since becoming an adult, I've had time to reflect on the person I've become. Bullying doesn't affect just the children in those playgrounds. It can stay with these people for their whole lives. Ensuring kids grow up without fear to just be themselves, that should be our main priority, and we have to put policies in place to make sure that happens, because the behaviours of adults become those of their children. We can't watch kids 24-7, and we do need to let kids be kids. But we also need to set up school cultures where children aren't afraid to turn up to class.
0: That's the other bit of very strong research the school culture is really important. You virtually need a culture that is anti-bullying, has a zero tolerance that has really salient consequences for the for the bully without further victimizing the victim because that's the other thing too. Sometimes there can be procedures that actually just make the victim more of a victim. It's really got to be a, you know, consequences for the bully. And a lot of the whole of school approaches, interventions are really focused on getting the schools to really change both their um, policies and procedures, but also trying to change the whole school culture so everybody knows that this is the wrong thing to do. And if you don't have that, then it's very, very difficult. And it sounds like you didn't have that at your school.
2: My school didn't have a good culture. It didn't have this zero tolerance of bullying that Caroline speaks about. There were countless meetings with the principal and my parents and myself where platitudes were given and no policies were ever drawn up. No consequences were ever given to the bullies. (sighs) Obviously, it's still not all fine for me. I wish it was. I wish this had given me the closure I hoped it would. But my childhood was really tainted by the bullying I received, and I can't honestly say that I forgive Blair. I wish that I could. I now see that the blame doesn't lie squarely on her, or any of the kids who took part. But that is part of a much bigger problem for the parents, for teachers, the schools, for everyone. Because in the end, bullying hurts everyone, it hurts society it hurts the bullies themselves because I knew personally that I was a little weird
1: myself like I came from a super religious background and a big family with not a lot of money and I myself had hand-me-downs and not the nicest things in the world and that wasn't you know that's fine because you know things were happening in my home life that I didn't want people to know And so it was a matter of like, yeah, if you can't beat them, join them just to save myself really. It was very selfish. It's it's crazy because it's like when you're a child, you know, you don't, you're not born evil and you're not born a bad person, but like you are discovering what's right and what's wrong in life. And Um, It's interesting to to look back and think that that's how I processed that um, without actually thinking
2: that that's what I was doing. (laughs)
1: It's crazy.
2: Maybe Mary and I weren't that different after all. I just wish our school and other grown-ups
0: had helped us understand that. That feature was created by Kindling producer, Elise Cooper. If you're looking for resources on how to address bullying for your child or what roles schools and institutions should play, you'll find them on our website, kindling.com.au. Just search bullying. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to
3: kindling.com.au.